Hi, it's Lynn Rosetto-Casper here with our special series of podcasts based on our new book, The Splendid Tables, How to Eat Supper, Recipes, Stories, and Opinions. My co-author and, by the way, the producer of The Splendid Table, Sally Swift, is here too. Hi. You know, these podcasts are designed to look at some of the more elemental things in the kitchen. For a more detailed guide to recipes and recommendations, don't forget to look at the actual book, How to Eat Supper. You'll find information on it at SplendidTable.org. Now, our goal with this podcast is to give you a practical guide to feeding yourself and the people that you care about. We want to talk about the logic behind ingredients and dishes so that you can riff on, you know, what you find in the market, what you feel like eating, what you've got time to do. In my book, knowledge is not only power, knowledge is freedom. Listen, you know, there is nothing more flexible than a big bowl of pasta. It's the savior of so many last-minute dinners. So, Lynn, I have a question about Italians, which I sometimes do. Um, Do Italians ever sit down and just eat a bowl of pasta for dinner? Oh, yeah. That that is their only meal. It's not a first course. It it, it depends. You know, whenever anyone says all Italians, you know, when you know enough to know all the mistakes you can make. Different regions have slightly different traditions. Generally speaking, um, in the evening, soup is what you eat. But yes, more and more today, people will have lunch of just pasta. Just a bowl of pasta. But pasta is never a side dish. That's one of the things that happened when it came here. Uh, But yeah, because let's face it, it's that substantial. Right, it is. Yeah. Um, The interesting thing about pasta is the difference between dried and fresh pasta. And um, having spent time in Italy, I can't do fresh very well here anymore, I have to admit. So I really rely on dried pasta. You have some favorites that you love. Yeah, and I think everybody should know, dried and fresh is not a case of worse and better. It's a case of different. And Italians use them differently, and they don't look upon a dried pasta as being an mm-hmm. inferior thing. Okay. But when it comes to dried pasta, I I have not found an American brand yet that I think is, you know, dynamite. It's coming because almost all the wheat that's used to make the pasta comes from Canada right, and the United States. Time, right, it's a matter of time, right? Yeah. But let's talk about good Italian imports. Um Inexpensive ones, or mm-hmm. let's put it this way, reasonably priced ones, things like De Checo, Del Verde, La Molizana, Barilla Plus. That's a whole wheat pasta, isn't it? It's It has whole wheat in it, but it also has flax. It has dried legumes. It's good. It's really tasty. And the reality is most Barilla, their regular pasta, I find gummy. I'm not that crazy about it. And by the way, there is a whole wheat pasta. It's called uh, Bionatore. It's an Italian import. Otherwise called bio nature for some, those of us who don't speak Italian. Uh, yeah, it could be called <laughs> that too. Yeah, it could be. Uh, but the reality is that is a dynamite whole wheat pasta. And what about if you're going to splurge on a, on oh. a dry pasta? <laughs> I know. I know. We're talking real splurge here because I've got two here that cost the price of a meal. I'm not kidding. One of the most phenomenal pastas I have ever had that is l- exactly like hand-rolled Italian egg pasta is by Cipriani. Really? Yes. It comes wrapped in paper in a box because it's that fragile. (laughs) When you cook this, you only cook this for people who adore and know fresh pasta. It looks like it's hand-rolled. It has that wonderful pebbly quality. It is $14 to $18 a pound. But, but... This is the pasta for the connoisseur. Uh, another pasta that's almost in that category is Spinozzi. Now, this is not to say these are the only ones. But, but how, these... what, what makes those better, Lynn? Uh, part of what makes pasta fabulous is 
the lightness that you feel when it's in your mouth, mm-hmm. the springiness, mm-hmm. etc. When it comes to handmade pastas, handmade pastas are not only light in the mouth, but even though they're cooked al dente, they almost have a melting quality. And they taste they taste good. If you just eat the noodle, the noodle is delicious. Okay, all right. So, but I'm saying Spinozzi and Cipriani, these are for the people who are really into pasta. It's a good Christmas gift, actually. I nice think so, yeah, for someone pasta. who's really into it. I would love and, that. And by the way, the better pastas have mm-hmm. a very rough texture to them. They're done with bronze eyes and all that kind okay. of stuff. What about what are the rules for picking the pasta for the sauce? For instance, if you have a sauce that is a cream sauce, am I going for a long noodle? Am I going for a short noodle? Are there rules about the, thickness? Well, uh, there's guidelines, and it's a lot of it's logical. If you have a chunky, robust sauce, you can get convoluted pastas, hollowed pastas like shells, tubes of mm-hmm. pasta, that kind of thing. Now, creamy sauces, you generally want something that's flat. So you'd want fettuccine or tagliatelle because you want the sauce to have a lot of surface to cling to. And pesto as well, then. Would you? Pesto would work on that, too. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But when you then talk about lighter, brothier sauces, Mm -hmm. then you want to talk about angel hair and that kind of thing. But for instance, tomato sauce, which is not necessarily something that's overwhelmingly bold, but that can work almost across the board except for the heaviest pastas. Okay. And what about if you don't have the pasta called for in a recipe, if you have to swap shapes? What do, Just you, what think, do you think? Is it, is it a chunky sauce? You know, for instance, we have a section in the book called Bridegrooms for Butterflies. Ziti, which is a hollow kind of heavy pasta, thick pasta, robust, which, by the way, ziti means bridegroom. And if you look at the pasta, you understand why. You understand. Why. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Uh-huh. You could substitute ziti for fafale, which means butterfly, you know, which look like bow ties. Right. They don't look the same, but they kind of feel the same in your mouth in the sense that they're bowl pastas and the sauce is going to feel like it's not overwhelming it. Um, if you don't have linguine, you use spaghetti. If you don't have fettuccine, you use tagliatelle. If you don't have that, you use pappardelle. You just look at the shape and you say, okay, what's similar? Now, one of the most important things you have taught me in that first book, and this was even before I knew you, is the idea of reserving a cup of the pasta water and putting it aside, once once you get your pasta boiling in that water and it starts to get a little bit murky, yeah, yeah. you dip in, you take a cup of that water and you put it aside because it's insurance for you if when you get that pasta in that sauce and it's not quite liquid enough, you can add that to exactly, thin it out. Exactly. It's called lengthening the sauce. And the thing that's so cool about this, Sally, is this is too where you can take just a simple saute of vegetables. Mm-hmm. You know, you've sauteed some green beans and maybe thin slices of potato, and you've done it with maybe a little garlic and onion. Well, drain the pasta. You save the pasta water, and the pasta water has starch and it has salt in it. Right. And those are the two things that are going to give body to a sauce. What is done in Italy is that sauté, which now is not a sauce, you add that pasta water, you cook it in just a little and bit. And it becomes a sauce. And it picks up all it those all flavors. flavors. Right. Exactly and it gives right. has that little thickness and body from the starch. Now, Lynn, one last thing. Yeah. Once and for all. How heavily are you supposed to salt the pasta water? <laughs> You've been. We've cooked together. You know, people look at how much this salt. This woman puts handfuls of salt in the pasta water. I am not kidding. But here's the deal. Not all of it ends up in the pasta. Pasta water should taste like a well-seasoned soup. And the reasoning is this. Tastes like the sea. Tastes like the sea. Yes. <laughs> anyway, um, the idea is that the pasta is the main event, not the sauce, and that the pasta needs to have some seasoning. So 
cook your pasta in generously salted water. It is not going to absorb all of that salt, I promise. You're going to use less in the end. Much less in the end. You will need, probably won't need to add any salt at the end. That's what she always says. I anyway, know. that's I know. it for this week. <laughs> Have a good one. For more information on our book, How to Eat Supper, our podcast, and our radio program, The Splendid Table, be sure to visit SplendidTable.org. Have a great week, and we'll be back.